0: The Andy Griffith Show, starring Andy Griffith, with Ronnie Howard, also starring Don Knotts. How many of you guys have seen that show before? Great. Perfect. Now, this is a little bit more of a dangerous question. How many of you watched it when it originally aired? Okay, there's, there's a couple of you. Um, so if you haven't seen it, uh, the Andy Griffith Show takes place in the town of Mayberry, um, which is kind of thought to be the stereotypical small town of its time. You know, it was more than just everybody knew everybody. Uh, they depended on one another and spent a significant amount of time together in their neighborhood. Uh, some of you remember when our communities around here used to be more like that. Uh, I I talked with one of our elders, uh, Dan, uh, who mentioned some of the different businesses that you know just here in Whiting that we used to have. Uh, And so did you know that here in Whiting we used to have an opera house way back in the day uh, where shows from like Chicago and New York used to come through and and do shows uh, at. Um, We had multiple banks, multiple stores. We had a roller rink, a movie theater, and even a bowling alley. And, and uh, Whiting isn't the only one uh, that used to be like that. Uh, talking with my parents, my hometown used to be the same. And, and from doing some research online, um, small towns across America used to be like that. And so the question is, what happened? How did our small towns go from Mayberry um, to many of them struggling to even exist anymore? Now, the answer isn't going to surprise you. The shift took place from the early 90s to the early 2000s, and what became extremely popular around that time? Technology. Our massive jumps in technology have led to more nights sitting at home, watching TV, being on the internet, or playing games. Um, Now understand me, I'm not condemning technology this morning, um, but it did play a big factor in the decline of close-knit neighborhoods. One article I read talked about the reason we used to socialize with our neighbors uh, was because we couldn't always communicate with those closest to us, like our family. We depended on our neighbors. Today, um, with the advances in technology and what we have, we really don't have a reason to depend on our neighbors. You know, we have all the communication we could ever want with those closest to us through text and Facebook and video chat, Um, Technology has also taken um, the place of many of the other things we might have our neighbors do. We can have a nice security system which requires no one to watch our house because we can watch it from wherever we're at. Uh, You can get most things delivered right to your door nowadays. Um, Parenting styles have changed so much uh, that people a lot of times feel uncomfortable trying to help um, other parents because of fear that they might upset them. And you can even find a tutorial for anything you ever wanna do on YouTube. Um, I, I read a story of a lady who built her entire house by herself completely from YouTube tutorials. And so what do we see from all of this? Third party hangout places like bowling alleys, arcades, pool halls, roller rinks, etc., died out because nobody was, had a need to leave their house for entertainment. With the uprise in stores like Walmart, Target, Lowe's, Sam's Club, Costco, they've cut prices so low that community general stores, grocery stores, uh, and and hardware stores couldn't keep up with the prices, and so they ended up dying off as well. And without these, most people decided to move to suburbs of cities where, in a 15-minute drive from their house, they can have whatever mega chain store they could possibly dream of. And what's ironic is even nowadays, these mega chain stores are struggling because of websites like Amazon that can cut prices even below them. And after all of this, of course, small towns are struggling today because people stopped being neighbors. And so, when we say that we want to be a church who loves where they live, a big part of that is loving your neighbors. And the inspiration uh, for Love Where You Live came directly from the, the second greatest commandment that God gave us, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we want to be a church that takes that literally. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about some of God's commands. And we'll be doing that uh, by looking at the book where everybody's read the Bible in a year goes to die, which is the book of Leviticus. So if you would turn with me uh, to the book of Leviticus chapter 19. We'll be starting in verse 9. I apologize, I once again forgot to look up the page number in the Pew Bible, but I know. So starting in verse 9 of chapter 19, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against uh, anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Um, That last part right there is what Jesus is quoting in the New Testament when he says to love your neighbor as yourself. And you probably already knew this already, but one of the easiest ways to understand uh, God's commandments uh, is to think of them like rules a parent gives their child. You know, a lot of time the child doesn't understand the rule, um, but that doesn't mean the parent doesn't have a purpose behind it. I remember when I was probably eight or nine years old, my dad, I don't know why he did this, but he taught me and my brother how to carve our names into wood using magnifying glasses. You can see where this is going already. Uh, you know, I, I felt like a Bond villain, uh, being able to harness the power of the sun in my hands and destroy the little ants on the sidewalk. So as we were doing this, my dad told us, you know, like, wood is fine, the sidewalk is fine, don't use cardboard. Okay. I didn't think much of it. I just wanted to burn things. Um, I was a little pyromaniac, I guess. Um, Well, I continued on with the planks of wood that we had for a while and then eventually I ran out and without even thinking, uh, I grabbed a piece of cardboard and I was like, I'm gonna try this. And so I started and I got a little hole going and then it started to burst into flames. And so naturally, as a kid, I decided to blow on it because I think that's how I'm gonna put it out, which only makes it worse. Uh, And so now I have this large piece of cardboard in the middle of our yard, burning in flames um, in a dry spell. And I'm freaking out trying to put this out. My mom sees me through the window and rushes outside and, and finally helps me get it out. And all in all, we ended up with a large eight-foot burn mark in the middle of our yard. And I was never allowed to play with my fine glasses again. <laughs> I had zero idea why my dad told me not to use cardboard. Uh, but it turned out he had a really good reason behind it. And as you read through Leviticus... You know, there are some obvious commandments um, to us, you know, like, do not lie. Okay, I understand that. You know, there's a reason for that. Uh, But then there are some others that we might just not think of, like God having a purpose. We're like, why is that in there? You know, like, they weren't allowed to eat pork. Well, why, why is that? That's something we might not naturally understand. And for me growing up, when it came to the commandment to love our neighbors, I never really put much thought behind it. I just thought, well, of course, God wants us to love our neighbors because he wants us to love everyone. Um, But I never thought of a larger purpose behind it. Now, what we know is that when Jesus gave the two greatest commandments in the New Testament, um, they summarized all of the law in the Old Testament. And so if you read through the Old Testament, there are 613 laws um, that the Jews had and all of those could be summarized into those two commandments, to love God and to love others. And so what this means is when we look at, when we look at these commandments and we see these, and you might see them as weird, um, they're doing one of two things. It's either helping them with their relationship with God, or it's helping them with their relationship with those around them. And specifically for the Israelites, um, when it says to love their neighbors, this is talking about those who live right around them, right next door. And so as I now know that using a magnifying glass on cardboard may result in my house almost being set on fire, researchers today are learning some of the amazing benefits of close-knit neighborhoods. Here are some of the benefits um, of loving our neighbors. Local businesses do better. Crime goes down. The elderly are admitted into hospitals less, uh, and people's health in general is better, meaning that the suicide rate goes down, addiction issues go down, and the number of people on welfare also goes down. These are things that um, people studying close-knit neighborhoods are finding, all from people loving their neighbors. I read a book about neighboring, and I want you to listen to one of these stories out of it. It says, uh, Malcolm Gladwell told the story of the remarkably healthy people of Rosetto, Pennsylvania. Researcher and physician Stuart Wolf discovered Rosetta held a medical mystery. Even though the residents received 41% of their calories from fat, smoked heavily, and struggled with obesity, hardly anyone had heart disease. Furthermore, said Wolf, there was no suicide, no alcoholism, no drug addiction, and very little crime they didn't have anyone on welfare, and then they even looked at peptic ulcers and they didn't have any of those either. These people were dying of old age and that's it. Gladwell summarized the reason for this healthy community and what Wolf realized was that the secret of Rosetta wasn't diet or exercise or genes or the region where Rosetta was situated, it had to be Rosetta itself. And as Brune and Wolf walked around the town, they began to realize why. They looked at the, how the Rosettans visited each other, stopping to chat with each other in Italian on the street, or cooking for each other in their backyards. They learned about the extended family clans that underlay the, clown's, the town's social structure. They saw how many homes had three generations living under one roof and how much respect grandparents commanded. This is a, this is a close-knit neighborhood who had significant health benefits just from loving one another. Now, I'm not saying that being better neighbors is going to solve all of our issues, you know, but I want you to see the substantial benefits of it. And through this, we are going to be able to see how amazing our God is and the wisdom that he has. And that is why we are a church passionate about building Christ-like communities, one neighbor at a time because it benefits our communities while we watch people come to know Christ. I want you to take a look at this picture here. Boom. Yeah, there we go. So if you can't tell, sorry, it's not the clearest, but I did my best. Um, This is a map of Whiting, just here in Whiting. And what I did was I went into our database, and I looked up all of our members and all of our regular tenders, um, who come here to church, and I mark their house with a red dot. Okay, so this is just in the, in the vicinity of the town of Whiting. Okay, and these are all of our members and regular attenders. Um, and it's not 100% correct, but um, it's about as close as I could get it. And here, here's the cool thing about this. Here's the cool thing about this map. If we each, if each one of these red dots was to reach one neighbor... It would take us doing that twice to completely cover the town of Whiting in red dots. Twice. That's it. And that's only Whiting. Our church has grown far beyond just Whiting. We have people in Ottawa and Sloane and Hornick and Castena, Rodney, Smithland, Sioux City, Sergeant Bluff, Turin, Decatur, Blanco, Little Sioux, and any others that I might be missing. We don't want to be a church that's only passionate about where our building is. We want to be a church that's passionate about where our people are. So yes, we want to reach Whiting, and we want that picture to be covered in red dots. But we also want to reach all these other towns as well. And truly see God and our people building Christ-like communities one neighbor at a time. We want to get back to where our local businesses are thriving and new ones are being opened. Crime is low and those helping each other is high because people love where they live. It's not complicated. It can be as simple as inviting someone out for dinner, playing board games, working on a car, helping mowing each other's lawns, watching pets. It's just sitting outside and talking. The point is that we make opportunities to get to know our neighbors. And so speaking of that, I want to take a little bit of an inventory of how well we know our neighbors. So I want you to do is to think of one of your neighbors, just one who is not a Christian that you know is not a Christian. I just want you to think of one family um, or one person and just have them in your head. And I'm gonna ask some questions. Okay, and I just want you to see if you can answer some of these questions. The first one is: Do you know the first and last name of everyone in their household? Give you a second to think about that. The next one is, do you know what they do for a living? Do you know if they grew up in this area or elsewhere? Number four, have you been in their home or have they been in your home ever? Can you give a date for the last time you had a conversation with them? Number six, can you name any of their hobbies or anything that they might be passionate about? Have they ever helped you or have you ever helped them with something? Now let me see a show of hands if you could answer every single one of those questions about that neighbor in your head? A couple, a couple in our entire congregation. And don't get me wrong, as I wrote those questions, I was convicting myself. I, I myself struggled because I could barely answer any of those questions about one of our neighbors. We have to be a people that take advantage of every opportunity to get to know our neighbors. Those shouldn't be hard questions for us. Uh, This last week was the first time that Sammy and I were able to be here in Whiting for the 4th of July. I woke up that morning and I looked out the window and I was just like, who are all these people? (laughs) Like, our our house was surrounded by cars. There's people walking around everywhere. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? And so... We got ready and we went out to watch the parade. And as we stood there watching the parade, all I could think about was this would have been an amazing opportunity to sit here and do this with one of our neighbors. You know, how many times uh, do I get home and I see one of our neighbors and I just, I wave and then I walk into the house? How easy would it be to to walk over and start a conversation? This may not happen often, but there are times that, you know, that we have, we're bored one night. How easy would it be to walk over and see if one of our neighbors wants to go out or come in for supper? Uh, Coming up in less than a month, you know, we've talked about it. We have our, our car show and steak night. This is an amazing opportunity to invite your neighbors out and to get to know them. It's free steak, again. It doesn't get much better than that. But again, we want to be a church who loves where they live and a big part of that is learning to love our neighbors yes because it is a command that god gave us but also because it helps the health of our towns and through that we want to see our vision lived out of building christ-like communities one neighborhood at a time not just in whiting but in every town that one of us lives in will you pray with me Dear God, um, your wisdom stretches so far beyond our own. And your design for things um, is amazing. And you gave us the commandment to love our neighbors. And we want to take that literally. We wanna show them who you are through our actions. We want to be a people who loves their towns, who wants to see their towns grow and become healthier. Help us do that. Show us these opportunities and convict us so we won't miss them. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.